Uh, we've been endeavoring a journey through uh, what is called spiritual warfare for the last two weeks. I'm excited about part three today. We're going to get into the weapons that God has given us. Yes, God has given us weapons um, for us to be able to walk in. And I'm excited to be able to share about these weapons on today that God desires us to walk in. We have a real enemy, guys. There is a real adversary that we face every single day. His name is Lucifer, the devil, Satan. There is a real enemy that we face every single day day he hates our guts here's why he hates our guts because he has gotten kicked out of the place that God has promised that we're gonna one day rest in for all eternity I don't know about you guys but I'm confident and I'm kind of glad that that heaven is going to be my home one day where there's gonna be no more crying there won't be any more tears there won't be any more sorrow there won't be any more cancer there won't be any more violence there won't be any more mass shootings we will will be in the presence of the most high God who loves us, who cares for us. There are streets of gold where I'm going. There is mansions that God has laid and set aside for us that this heaven, this, this heaven that we are going to call home one day, it trumps where we are right now. And Jesus wants us to not only uh, be able to be happy because heaven is going to be our home one day, but he wants us to have victory here on earth. I'm going to say that again. That, that Jesus wants us to have victory right here on earth. And I know that things get hard, that things get trying, that, that circumstances get so tough and, and things of that sort, but I am here to let you know that God has given us weapons of warfare to make sure that we have victory in this life. And so today, I want to I go through um, the book of Ephesians chapter 6 with you guys today. Um, and, and begin to unpack three different um, weaponry that God has given us so that we can have victory here in the earth and we can withstand the enemy. Um, so, but just a little bit about um, this chapter of Ephesians or the book of Ephesians um, for that matter. The book of Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul. All right, and the, the Ephesians is known as um, a prison epistle. And the reason why it's known as a prison epistle is because the Apostle Paul was in prison for proclaiming the good news of Jesus. If we can learn anything from the book of Ephesians is sometimes you end up in a hard spot for doing what's right. I didn't expect to get any amens on that point, but it is nonetheless true. The Apostle Paul is showing us that he is giving the gospel of Jesus. He's actually in prison for the gospel of Jesus. And not only is he in prison, but he is chained to a Roman soldier. I mean, how would you like it to not only be in prison, but you're handcuffed to a police officer the whole time that you're in prison? And as Paul is penning this letter to the, uh, uh, the, the church of Ephesus, he's writing a, a letter to a church that he planted about the freedom that they can walk in and the victory that they can walk in while he's in chains. And as he's in chains and as he's going through and he's suffering for Jesus, as he's suffering, he's noticing that the Roman guard that he's chained to has on a lot of armor. 
And Paul is able to see that this, this, this Roman soldier has a, a, a belt, a utility belt. And he's going to make examples of how God has given us a utility belt where all our other weaponry is connected to this, this belt. And he was able to see the Roman soldier's breastplate. The breastplate kept his upper uh, body safe from harm and from danger, from a strike against the enemy. The breastplate is what kept him safe. Um, his, all his vital organs were safe because of this breastplate. And the Apostle Paul also saw that the Roman soldiers had killer shoes. I'm not talking about you got a mad shoe game. No, I'm talking about they had killer shoes. We're going to get into this. So these are the three weapons that we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the, the, the uh, belt that God has given us to wear every single day. We ought, to, we ought to put this belt on. And then we have a breastplate that keeps our hearts engaged with God and safe from an attack from the enemy. And then we're going to talk about our shoe game. Y'all ready for that today? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. It says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So look, God has given you spiritual armor to stand against every attack from the enemy. But just like you had to put your clothes on today, and thank God we put our clothes on today, you have to put on your weapons that God is giving you. Look, you own your clothes. The clothes that you have on right now, you own them. They were safely put in your closet, all that good stuff. You had clothes, but you had something to do to put them on. You had to put them on. They didn't automatically cover your body today. And just because God has given us armor, he's given us weaponry, just because you have it, don't mean that you've put it on. Today, we are going to focus in on putting on the armor of God so that we can withstand the test and the trials and the attacks from the enemy. So today, I want to cover um, what the belt of truth is. So the, for the Roman soldier, the belt was the most important and the most significant armor that they had. Now, if you're anything like me, you're wondering, like, man, like, surely it would be the sword, right? Like, surely it would be a shield, right? Like, like you, you need a shield or maybe the helmet even would be the most significant piece of armor. But really, the, the most important piece of armor that the Roman soldier wore was his utility belt. And the reason why is because everything was connected to the belt that the Roman soldier had. The breastplate was connected to the belt. That the breastplate would actually fall off of the soldier if it wasn't securely fastened to the belt. The sword was actually holstered on the belt. That everything was connected, the shield was connected to the belt. And so for the born-again believer, the belt of truth is the most important piece of weaponry that we have. And it's the belt of truth. Now the belt of truth is the written word of God. I'm going to say it again. The belt of truth is the written word of God. And 
ladies and gentlemen, the Word of God is the most essential piece of our weaponry. It is truth. Truth is not a principle. Truth is not a construct. Truth is not an idea. Truth is the person of Jesus. I love how John chapter 1 verse 1 frames this. It says that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word was with God. And and without the Word, nothing that was made was ever made. I need you all to see something here. There are three that bear record in heaven. It is God the Father. It is the Word. And it is the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 5 in in John chapter 1 says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He actually showed us who God is. Jesus is the Word, and the Word is Jesus. And every single day, we've got to put on Christ. Every single day, we have to put on Christ. I love it. In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. In the beginning, God said, let there be the heavens, and let there be the earth. In the beginning, God said, let them be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. In the beginning, God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In the beginning, God said, what was he doing? He was speaking the word of Christ. And as he spoke the word of Christ, things began to be. In the beginning is the word. In the beginning was the word of God. Without the word of God, creation would not have become. It was the Word of God. The Word of God existed before the chairs that you sit in. The Word of God existed before the air was formed that you breathe. The Word of God was in heaven with God in in heavenly places. It was God the Father, it was the Word, and it it was the Holy Spirit of God who who dwelt um, in heaven. And this Godhead, the Godhead, the Trinity, created everything that we see today. But it was the word of God that caused everything to exist. So believers, I need you to see something here. If Satan is the father of lies and the truth isn't in him, you better not leave home without the truth being strapped around you every single day of your life. Because it is the truth of God that shields you from the lies of the enemy. The enemy wants to tell you that you're not good enough. The enemy wants to tell you that you're not smart enough. The enemy wants to tell you that you're not really saved. The enemy wants to tell you that, man, God, you've messed up a little bit too much. God can't forgive you this time. God couldn't possibly excuse the sins that you've been participating in. But I am here to let you know that God has given you the spirit of truth. He has given you the belt of truth. And if you would put it on, and gird yourself with truth, you'll know that everything that proceeds from Satan's mouth is a lie and it ought to be cast down and you ought to live for the truth that God has given you in your life. God says that, yeah, you may not be good enough, but I'm more than enough. That you have been clothed in his righteousness because he understands that you're not good enough. Your, Your works will never save you. 
but Jesus' perfect work on the cross is good enough to save you from your sins, both past, present, and future. You have been forgiven, and your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life forever. Somebody ought to give God a big shout of praise that you have been forgiven, that you have been made righteous. Amen? So look, here's what we need to know about the Bible. Here's, here's what we need to know about the belt of truth that God has given us. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Listen, here's what we need to know about the word of God. It is alive. This is why if you read a scripture once, and then you go and you get something out of that scripture, and then you go and you read that same scripture again, you can get something brand new out of the scripture. Why? Because the scriptures are alive. I could say it this way. Um, the Bible is the only book that you read, and it reads you while you read it. The Bible is alive. The Bible searches you, doesn't it? The Bible really shows where your heart is. The Bible really shows you what your intentions are. The Bible is able to, to, to pierce the most intricate details of your life, and it's able to infuse the will of God into your own personal will. The Word of God is so strong. It is so powerful. And we, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to let you all know we've got to be disciplined when it comes to meditating Scripture. There are so many lives and deception that is being tossed at us every single day. Listen, um, I, I think in our city, I don't know if y'all received some, some of these messages that I received throughout the week, but I received so many messages from people about a white supremacy group coming into town. I don't know if y'all heard these messages or got these messages, but, but our city has been on high alert People texting me, hey, don't leave home today. And I'm like, like, I mean, praise God for being vigilant, right? But I know the God that I serve, and I know the truth is that no weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against me shall be condemned in the name of Jesus. I know that the blood of Jesus covers me, it covers my wife, it covers my daughter, that wherever we go, we are safe and we are covered by the blood of Jesus. I'm not scared of anybody. I am not scared of a movement. I'm not scared of of. of contentious people. I am a servant of the most high God, and I know that if God be for me, who could ever be against me? Who could ever be against me? I know the God that I serve, and the reason why I'm confident in him is because I've hidden his word in my heart. And church, we have got to look podcast solely for your, your, your encouragement or for your word or for your devotion is not going to be enough. You've got to open up your Bible and you've got to meditate your scriptures. Come on, church. Look, we are in the most easy generation that, that has ever existed. We have access to whatever information we want whenever we want it, but it's made us lazy. 
Come on, if I were to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Habakkuk, how fast could you actually find it? I'm not just shading you, like I'm shading me too. I've gotten lazy. But God needs the word of God to be hidden in our hearts so that we can have truth. Amen? We've got to have truth. Let's look at, let's look at more scripture here. Let's look at um, Psalm chapter 119, verse, 10, verse 105. It says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. So God's word shows us who God is. Come on, it lights up, it illuminates who God is. We understand his character, we understand his plan, we understand his will for our lives. So it shows us who God is, but then it, the word of God also shows us who we are in God. So if you lack confidence, if you're insecure, your cure is the word of God. Because the word of God is going to show you how loving God is toward you and how powerful he is. But then it's going to show you who you are in him, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you are marvelous, that God is actually mindful of you. Do you know that like as soon as you wake up, God has already been thinking about you before you even open up your eyes? Do you know that he's so mindful of you that he knows how many hairs are on your head or falling off your head? He knows. He knows you through and through. And when we read scripture, we illuminate the fact that he loves us so much. And then when we read scripture, it shows us that we can be confident in our relationship with him. That your relationship with God is not based on your works. It's already, it's, it, your, your relationship with God has already been perfected by the perfect work that Jesus did on the cross. That's what the word of God shows you. And when we have this truth, we won't fall for lies. We won't fall for the lies or the tricks or the schemes of the enemy. But we'll stand, stand firm in our faith when it comes to God. But we've got to hide his word in our hearts. But I love scripture because as you read scripture, it illuminates the decisions and the choices that you have to make. It shows you which path you should take. It's back to school time. Parents, you don't have to be stressed out about what school you should send your kid to. When you read the word of God, it will illuminate the school that you desire, that you want your kid to go to. You got questions in your marriage and you've got some things happening in the life of your spouse and they're not communicating like they used to and you're wondering what's happening. Read the word of God. Come on, church. I know this isn't sexy preaching, but like, <laughs> like it will save us from so much, Right? Like, we've got to get an appetite for the word of God. All right, let's look at one more scripture about the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. I love the King James Bible in this, in this version. It says, Study to show yourself approved. Study to show yourself approved. Why? So that we can rightly divide the word of truth. So I want to spend just a few moments about how do we study our Bibles? Come on, has anybody ever had that question? Like, how do I, like, where do I start? It's kind of big, right? Like, like there's a lot of scriptures. Like, where do I start? Well, I want to talk to you guys about how do you study your word? How do you do it? I want to give you some practical measures. 
When you come to church, in the, a church like Vibe City Church, you are going to get taught the Bible uh, verse by verse, precept upon precept. That's what we're doing today. And so a good starter would be take notes when you come to church. Like take notes when you come to church. I don't want to just preach a message and you feel encouraged on Sunday and then Monday you have no idea how to live. I want to actually teach you the Bible, right? And so take notes so every verse that you hear Write the reference down, right, or type the, 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 the reference down, whatever your, your style is. And then I always break down different thoughts from that scripture. And it's all like, it's all biblical thoughts that I, I share. Write those thoughts down. And then what you can do is through the week, actually go back into your notes and rehearse what we learned. Go back to those scriptures, and then God, allow God to speak to you through those scriptures. It's an amazing starting block on how to begin to study your Bibles. But then here's, I, I, want, I want to give you guys three questions to consider every time you read scripture. And this is going to sound like pretty academic because it is, right? Like it's the, ba the basics of how to study, period. So what you want to do when you read any book or when you read the, it's just like when you read the Bible, you want to ask yourself who wrote it and who did they write it to? Come on, who wrote it and who did they write it to? And then you want to, want to ask yourself why was it written? It's a big, that's a big deal. Why was it written? Why was this scripture written? Why was Ephesians chapter 6 written? Like you want to ask yourself these questions. And then you want to ask what was the message? What was the writer actually like saying to the audience? What was the message? And then here's the last question, and it's the last question on purpose. What can I get out of the message? You see, like you never want to open up your Bible and like just try to search for a word for your life without context. Because you'll misappropriate scripture. Church, I'm so pumped to share that with y'all because like so many people get off and look, you can make the Bible mean what you want it to mean without proper context. So you may ask, how do I answer these questions? Is anybody wondering that right now? Like how do I answer any of those questions? Get you a good study Bible because I have an English standard version of the Bible and I've got it in a study form and it outlines literally every, before every book, it outlines what, who wrote it, who was it written to, why was it written, what was the overall message? Listen, we've got to study because we have a real enemy that studies us. Oh, that was tweetable. Um, you might want to like hashtag that. I don't know. You may want to text a friend. I, f I feel like that was for everybody in the room, but a friend might need, need it too, so you can text them. Um, so, but we do, we have a real enemy that studies our every single move, but we need to study God because when we study the word of God, we know how to stand against the lies of the enemy. Let's look at number two. All right, number two, the second thing that, that we see that the apostle Paul writes about is the breastplate of righteousness. It's the breastplate of righteousness, this is so important that, that this, this breastplate that the Roman soldiers wore, it protected them and protected their vital organs, including their heart, from any strike against their enemy. It protected them completely. And so 
here's, here's again, the, the enemy wants to fill your heart and contaminate your heart with lies. He is the author of confusion. He is a deceiver. Uh, Jesus calls him a thief. He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill certain areas in your life. He wants to destroy your purpose. He wants to destroy your call. And the way that he does it, telling you one lie at a time. But how do we protect our heart from this? Look, we protect our heart from this by understanding our righteousness in God. So I want to give you some definitions of righteousness. So righteousness means that you have been justified. That means made right by the blood of Jesus. We have all sinned. We have come short of the glory of God. We all have from this uh, platform all the way back to all of the people that's outside that hasn't even made it in church yet. We have all sinned. We are born into sin. So, uh, but there wasn't anything that we can do to be, uh, become a sinner. There wasn't anything that we can do to become righteous. We, had, we were made sinners, and we had to be made righteous, right? By one man's sin, Adam, we were made sinners. But by one man's righteousness, Jesus, we were made righteous. We were made righteous. That means that your works doesn't make you righteous, that means that, that all the prayer time, you know, if, you, if I pray an hour, I'll be righteous with God. If, if I read five scriptures, I'll, I'll be in right standing with God. No, no, the, the word of God actually says that you were made righteous. That by, by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, he made you right with God. I don't know about you, but that, that breaks me every time. That when worship is going forward, and, and, and like our worship team was worshiping earlier, I'm thinking about, I don't deserve this, but you have given me access into the presence of God. I know what I was, but I thank God that I'm not who I used to be. Because of you, God, you have transferred me from sinner to saint, that you have made me righteous and I'm so grateful for God because he has let me give you another definition for righteousness it simply means right standing with God right standing with God that you have right standing with God but doesn't this like doesn't this go contrary to what our how our minds have been conditioned though come on you don't have to tell me about it, but think about the last couple Friday nights. Just think about them. How'd you spend them? What'd you do? Who were you with? What were you drinking? No, just jokes, guys. I'm joking, guys. Pastor jokes. But not really joking, right? Like, um, but just think about it. And then think about, like, how did you feel about coming to church? Do you feel super encouraged based upon your Saturday night? Or, or parents, how about this? How about when your kid was like turning up, turning up? I'm, I mean, like not, like not like a little turning up, but I'm talking about like turning up, turning up, right? Like, like they are being so rambunctious, right? Like they are not listening, and you went there with them, didn't you? you I know you did because I do it all the time too right? And we feel busted sometimes when we really have those moments with our kids. And sometimes I'm like, dang, I got to go preach after I did not do a good job leading my daughter. 
My human conditioning says that my position with God is based on my performance, but when it comes to your righteousness, your position determines your performance. Ooh, I think I want to say that one more time. Because our human conditioning says that my position, that, that, that my position with God is based on my performance. But, but Jesus is like, no, I already took care of it. Your position is in Christ. You are righteous. You are in me. I took care of your position. Now I want you to perform based upon your positioning. That we have been made righteous. I love um, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says it this way. For our sake, this is for our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus became so we could become. Jesus became sin so that we can become servants of God. Jesus became poor so we could become rich. Jesus became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are only righteous when you are in Christ. Outside of Christ, you can never be righteous. And Satan wants to lie to you and say, you can't spend no time with God. You know what you did last night? You can't go to that church. You can't make a difference with your life because of what you've done. What is he doing? He is trying to get you to think that you are outside of Christ. Because if you think that you're outside of Christ, you will not be righteous. You, your mind won't say that you have been bought with a price and you can live in Christ. That's what he's trying to do. He is trying to deceive you into thinking that you've got to live outside of Christ. And if I can get you to live outside of Christ, I can lie to you and fill your heart with lies. And you'll be, and your life will be a reflection of the lies that he's placed in your heart. But God is saying, no, 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 no. Put on righteousness. What is he saying? He's saying every single day, not only put on your belt, but put on the breastplate of righteousness. I need you to know, I need it to be deep down in your heart that I love you, that there isn't anything that you can do to get me to stop loving you, that I have clothed you with my righteousness. I know you got nothing but dirty rags. I know that you couldn't present anything wholesome to me. I know that you didn't have any glory about you, but listen, it's called the great exchange, that you exchange your sin for my salvation, that you exchange your dirt, Come on, for my dominion. Come on, you, 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 you lay down your unworthiness for my worthiness. This is called righteousness that we trade in our mess for his miracle. That's righteousness. And God wants us to clothe ourselves, put on the armor of God. Put on righteousness. Put, when you put this breastplate on, it will protect your heart so that it'll securely keep the word of God in your heart that you know who God is and you know who you are in God. And then it, 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 it basically deflects every lie that the enemy tries to put in your heart. Every day we got to put on righteousness just like you put your dress on today. Every single day you've got to put on righteousness like you put your shoes on today. Put on righteousness. Every single day, remind yourself 
that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Guys, I'm going to go a little bit further. When you're tempted to watch something on your computer that you know you're not supposed to watch, you need to look at your computer screen every time you're tempted and you need to tell your computer screen, no, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am not who I used to be. I am not my desire. I am who God said I am, and I am a worthy son of God. Every time you're tempted, you need to tell your temptation what the enemy says about you, and that is your breastplate of righteousness. Amen, church? Now, I want to look at one last, one last, one last piece of armor today. And then I'm going to let the power of God work. I believe that, that the power of God is here. I believe that, that signs and wonders follow the word of God. I believe that there are some people here today and you have been battling depression. You have been battling um, uh, even some thoughts about harming yourself. We're going to take care of that fallen demonic spirit today. We're going to drive it far away from you. And we are going to see the peace of God rise in your life today. Can we have somebody celebrate what God is going to do in advance for those who have been bound? Number three, we about to look at your shoe game, all right? Y'all got some killer shoes on today. Anybody got some killer shoes on today? Um, I can't see you because the chairs are blocking, but I believe you. Um, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about some killer shoes that God desires for us to put on every single day. Now, the Roman soldier shoes, these were not ordinary Jesus sandals, okay? Like, that's not what they wore. They wore killer shoes. They were leather bound. They came all the way up to the knee. They were very uncomfortable to wear though, but I'll, I'll let you know that following Jesus is uncomfortable. If following Jesus isn't comfortable, is, isn't, isn't uncomfortable for you, um, let's, let's walk a little bit together and I, I guarantee you it's going to get awkward. It's going to get a little awkward. So like, like following Jesus isn't always easy. Being a Roman soldier wasn't always easy, but their shoes commanded respect. So they came all the way up to the knee, and then what you need to know about these shoes is on the bottom, they had vicious spikes. And then on, at the toe, there was vicious spikes that came out at the toe. Listen, people were terrified of the Roman army, that when they came into town and they got into battle formations, people got out of the way. Why? Because they did not want to get trampled over. Now I want to let y'all in on something because this is what Jesus is talking about in Luke chapter 10, verse 18. Before we go there, I just kind of want to lay out some foundational work for you guys about Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 opens up and we see that Jesus gives his authority. We know that, that God gave Jesus all authority. He gave Jesus all power, that he placed Jesus the head over all things, that there isn't anything more powerful than the name of Jesus, that every demon has to bow down to the name of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow down and every tongue will confess at the Lord Jesus that there is no greater name under heaven given among men whereby we might be saved, that if we call out to the name of Jesus, we shall be saved. Jesus is all-powerful. We all get that. But he didn't keep his power to himself. Jesus 
gave his power to his followers in Luke chapter 10. And then he sent them out and he told them, look, go lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed. Go cast out demons and they'll, they'll cast, the, the demons actually have to listen to my power, to my authority, right? And then they go out and they do what Jesus told them to do. And then these, these, the, the, the followers of Jesus, they come back to him and they're like, Lord, you will never guess what we was able to do when we used your name. And Jesus is like, oh, yeah, what, what, what? Tell me, what, what happened? Tell me. I'm sure I'm going to be so amazed. And they come to him, and they were like, even the demons are subject to us when we use your name. And here's what Jesus tells them in Luke chapter 10, verse 18. Um, it says, this is Jesus' words. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And I'm sure the disciples was like, er. like, I thought we were doing something here. Jesus is like, no, like I was in the beginning when this joker tried to rise up against the almighty God. And I was a part of actually like just, we didn't have to push him. We didn't have to punch him. We didn't have to like body slam him. No, we just said, and he fell like lightning from heaven. This is what you need to know. The power of Satan has no match for the power of the God that you serve. So Jesus is like, why are you celebrating at the fact that he had to listen to you? Of course he had to listen to you. Do you know who my father is? Come on, and I ask y'all the same question. Do you know who your father is? Do you know God Almighty is with you, that he lives on the inside of you, that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? And so Jesus says, I saw him fall like lightning. He says, behold, I have given you authority to do what? To tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. So what is what, is, what does this all mean? What well, says that, that Jesus has given his followers, and you're a follower of Jesus, he's given you authority, he's given you power to tread over serpents and scorpions. Well, the serpent that the scripture is referring to is the devil. I need y'all to put this down. Y'all got to get this. I think I got a slide of it too, if, if we can get that on the screen. But, um, Serpent can be interpreted the devil. And then what we've got to look at as well, scorpions, when, where it says scorpions, scorpions are the demonic forces or the other fallen angels that got kicked out of heaven because they wanted to follow stupid Satan. Right? And so God is saying this, that you have authority to tread. I want to let y'all in on what tread actually means. The word tread here means to trample and crush with the feet. To trample and crush with the feet. So if you eye to eye with the enemy, you're not fighting right. Because every time you go to war with the enemy, 
The enemy should have a jump man on his head. The enemy should have uh, some red marks on his head. The enemy should have your high heel marks on his head. The enemy should have a big old Nike sign across his face. The enemy should have Adidas sign or Adidas boost all over his face. Why? Because you have been created to tread on the enemy. Again, the enemy's power can never be over you. The enemy's power is just against you. But the last time I checked, no weapon formed against you can prosper. You have been created to tread or to trample or I'm going to get Detroit and say stump, right? It has, has anybody been a, a part of a, like a, a, a big fight, like a real big fight? Somebody like a big fight and some stumping was involved because they tried you too tough. Right? Like it wasn't enough that you dropped them, but you had to stump them. That is our relationship with the enemy. He has tried us a little bit too much, and it is time for us to be able to uh, embrace the power of God that God has given us, and it is time to crush his head. I've had enough of the mass shootings. I have had enough of the racism. I have had enough of the violence. I've had enough of the depravity. I am here to let the enemy know that God is raising up a church, Vive City Church, that knows how to deal with the attacks of the enemy. Look, you think that it's a coincidence that half of our society is dealing with some sort of depression? It is spiritual. The enemy has created an environment that keeps a whole generation anxious. And God is telling us that it is time for us to rise up and crush the head of the enemy. The enemy is waging war against the church, is waging war against the world. Why? Because he knows that his time is running short. So here's what I know, church. When the Roman soldiers came to a country... They were heard well before they were seen. Their killer shoes could be heard miles and miles away when they marched into a city, into a country. And fear rose up in the hearts of the people when they heard them march into town. And I'm here to let you know that there is a sound in the spirit that when you put your killer shoes on, every demon in hell can feel you and hear you well before you show up. You can make Satan tremble himself. You make every demon in hell tremble. When, you're, when you wake up in the morning and your feet touches the ground, I am letting you know that you are treading upon serpents, that you are treading upon every demonic force that tries to rise up against you, but that is when you put your killer shoes on. You see, you got to know whose you are, and you got to know who you are. You have been made by God Almighty, and God has given you authority to deal with every vile spirit that tries to rise up in your life. I am here to let you know, when I sent my baby off to kindergarten, her first day, I stepped up in that school, and I know that God has given me killer shoes, and I am walking into her, sh- her, her school, just like you can walk into your kid's school, and you can command 
The peace of God will be there. I am treading upon every demon and every scorpion that tries to rise up in our society. Everywhere you go, the peace of God comes with you. Every single place that you go. There will not be a mass shooting at our kids' school. Why? Because we bring the peace of God everywhere that we go. You have authority, church. God is giving you authority. You don't have to worry about your office being shot up when you put on your killer shoes. Listen, church, I am trying to train you for warfare. We, ser we serve a God who is all-powerful, but we serve an enemy who has powers, but he is not more powerful than God. And get this, I'll even dare to say this, when you have on your armor, the enemy is not more powerful than you. God is not waiting on, like, look, we're not waiting on God to, like, protect our schools. No, God is waiting on us to protect our schools. That we've got to put on our armor of God and we've got to deal with the enemy head on. Now look, I want to give you guys a definition of this, this piece because not only is it killer shoes, everywhere that the Roman soldiers went, yes, they treaded upon anybody that got in their way, but it brought peace. You see, when you can tread on the enemy, when you trample overhead of the enemy, you bring peace. But I love this word peace. This word peace actually means security. It means safety. It means prosperity. But get this. So it's, it's, it's security, it's safety, and it's prosperity. But get this, in the middle of a waging war, that God gives you peace in the middle of war. So yes, our country has a whole lot of ill things happening right now, but wherever you walk, peace is going to rise. Come on, church. There may be pain all around you, but there is a peace that will rise up within you. Come on, there may be pain all around you, but there is a peace that will rise within you when we put on our killer shoes. Amen? So um, can we do this? Church, if y'all can stand up real quick, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Because check this out, the enemy wants to destroy your peace. The enemy wants to destroy your peace. He wants to rob you of your peace. He wants to completely, like, like steal away your peace. He wants to tell you that, hey, look, like, you're going to have to just deal with this depression or you're going to have to just deal with this heaviness. You're going to have to just deal with the anxiety. You may have to take a couple pills and you'll be fine. Listen, I will not stand for it. I know the God that I serve and he came so that we could have peace. Jesus, his name is the Prince of Peace. And if the Prince of Peace is dwelling in your heart, you can have peace in your life. Come on, church. So look, um, as they prepare to worship, look, this is what we're going to do. I want everybody in the room, go ahead and close your eyes, and I want you to focus in on God. Come on, he's given us the belt of, he's given us the belt of truth. Where the truth is, you can have peace. The truth is, you can have nothing missing and nothing broken internally, in your heart, in your life. And the reality is, that we, we have a, a real enemy.
that wants to strip us of these things, but God has given us a belt of truth to combat the enemy. Then he's given us a breastplate of righteousness so that we can know whose we are and who we are in God. And then he has given us killer shoes that everywhere that we walk, we can have the peace of God rising up in our hearts.